Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss hello and welcome to made by mamas the podcast i'm zoe and i'm georgia and we're here talking all things parenthood you know the real conversations tips and tricks products we love and brands we can't live without let's get into it Good morning. Good morning. I am fresh from legs, bums and tums. Are you? Oh gosh, I'm fresh from eating leftover kids' eggy bread. Oh, that is delicious though. That the Something same? about the sort of coldness and sloppiness of it, which uh, it yeah. tastes delicious about half an hour after it's made. Yeah, and especially when it's like half chewed and like there's got a few, finger, a few fingerprints in it as well. <laughs> but otherwise I wasn't going to eat. <laughs> I, I thought that I, I was like, oh, Monday morning, I was like, I feel a bit stiff because I, I got to train yesterday and I trained over the weekend. So I was feeling quite smug, but I was like, I'll just go for a little stretch I was like the old blue rinse brigade up there I was like they're not going to be like they're not hardcore trainers those women they oh, train so hard legs bums and tums I think is underestimated I remember 100%. doing that when I used to be a member at David Lloyd all those years ago when like I first met James and legs bums and tums is tricky it's hard it's great vine and then you've got to, like kick your bum with your I was like all over the shop at the back of the glass yeah yeah <laughs> that, those ladies in there and it is normally ladies there's not really any men in there there weren't any they are pros they've been doing it for years <laughs> so you step in there you can't keep up <laughs> one of them was looking at me I was trying to do um we'd moved onto the floor and we were doing abs and we were doing um you know Russian twists and yeah. I kept having to break so I've got the worst like my ab separation still quite bad so in my head I was thinking you know this is yeah. why I'm doing it but this like I think she was about 65 70 she was probably giving me the evils every time I stopped like <laughs> come on love work a bit harder I was like fuck <laughs> off so anyway um how are you how was your weekend I'm all right I'm good we had a busy weekend um I'm actually shattered because Gigi is literally driving me mental because oh, she just keeps coming into our room I don't know what to do is it safe to put a lock on her door and lock her in no you could lock your own door that's a good idea I had not thought of that yeah because I sort of felt like if we lock her door then maybe like social services will come and get us or something but if I lock my own door Mm. that is a good idea I don't know what is going on it's so annoying could you put a mattress on the floor next to your side of the bed and then she could just come in and she could just get into that little mattress and sleep on the floor and then it really wouldn't disturb you yeah but it does because she keeps coughing if she before pre-cough fine she used to come in didn't even notice she was there I really didn't care it's fine now she's like that it's like she smokes 50 a day it's like (laughs) 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 cotton's come into the bedroom oh god here she is again and then she like puts her face on my cheek and then just coughs in my face I mean honestly I don't know what we're gonna do but we're going away like for two nights this week by ourselves so I just keep yeah focus on that 
It's at this point that I want to play the sexy music. Bounchica, wow, wow. Have you bought yourself some sexy new underwear? What do you think? Please don't take that awful cap thing that you were wearing (laughs) on Instagram the other night. I will be taking a cap. I will be sleeping in like button-up pyjamas, cashmere socks. Um, Basically, I won't have any skin on show. It will be Can you just not release your inner sexiness for this trip? Because I feel like you could do like a dance coming out the bathroom you could wear some like <laughs> agent provocateur like crotchless panties with nipples on oh, show God. No? do you know what I actually have got a pair of agent provocateur crotchless pants would you believe fuck I actually off, do own a pair not. I actually generally do own a pair I'll post them on Instagram for you they're <laughs> please brand don't. new they're brand new if anyone wants <laughs> genuine them, please do not post them on be, Instagram obviously I'm not going to post them on Instagram but you could be not wearing them and post the link for them because they you know I'm asking for a friend <laughs> wink wink <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm not going to do that. No. I'm not. I'm. I, that's not. I'm sorry, Judgy James. If you're listening to this and you're thinking that Zoe's going to rub off on me, it's just not going to happen. We're fine. Oh, I did try, it's James. You sent me a message earlier on saying if you could try and <laughs> just drop it in, try and like get rid of the old, the old sort of nun attitude that he's receiving every single night. <laughs> no, genuinely, look, it's fine. You stick. You stick to what you're. You stick to what you're good at, and you know, I'll stick to what I'm good at. <laughs> <laughs> Right, let's move on. Uh, do you have a let's nice weekend? I did, yeah. It was busy. Um, I'm tired. That's all I've got to say about it, really. We just had lots on. And I think it's going to be like that until Christmas now. How about you? Oh, I had a really lovely weekend. I was in nature virtually the, the entire time. We did like a monster walk on Saturday. And then on Sunday, we went to Alice Holt. And I'm, and there's lots of reasons why I'm annoyed that you don't live near me, but this is another reason because you would absolutely love this place. It's just, and it's an, it's an area of outstanding beauty. It's a spectacularly gorgeous, like kind of down near Chert, Thursley way. Um, and it's just gorgeous. They have like these adventure playgrounds in the middle of the forest. So the kids can walk and like climb up logs. And then there's like an adventure playground and it just sort of opens up and then we move on to the next one. And it, you know, you're walking sort of six, 7,000 steps and they don't even realize. Wow. Is so, there a cafe? Yeah, there is a cafe and they serve wine oh okay fine because you know you say oh we had a lovely weekend in nature for me like as you know that's not like nature that doesn't make me feel calm that makes me feel like nature no my natural habitat is like in the shops or a coffee shop my natural habitat is not is not with the trees it's really oh, not. But you know that, Georgia, can I just so, explain something to you? As right? long as there's a cafe at the end, it's cool. <laughs> can I just explain something to you that me, you and the tree, <laughs> like you and a tree are basically the perfect combination because what you breathe in, they expel. Like we work so in harmony together. We couldn't live without the trees. You better start hugging them quick, sharpish, right? <laughs> right. We've got to get on with the conversation we, yeah, today. We have. Um, Let's do it. And Georgia and I, um, this was a very kind of, I guess, not tricky conversation to have, but obviously um, quite a devastating conversation to have um, with the amazing person that came on the podcast today, because we are talking about grief. Um, Our amazing guest very, very sadly lost her husband um, about five or six months ago, I think. Mm. And she's now navigating not only life without her partner, her life partner, who she loved and adored, but also now is raising two children by herself. Um, And, you know, we don't shy away from these conversations here at Made by Mamas. But this one, I think, yeah, was a particularly kind of, we want a sensitive one. We wanted to get it right. We wanted to ask her all of those questions. You know, how is she coping, not only Mm. on her own, but how is she, how is she 
talking to her children about you know the loss of their father and and, and, and yeah it was a beautiful beautiful conversation on how to navigate grief it, no it really was and I think like Zoe said it's such an important thing to chat about because until you're going through it you don't know how that's going to mm. be what's going to come up um, and also mm. where to even start when mm. those things happen in your life like mm-hmm. no one is prepared for it um so yeah we we just really wanted to have this chat and we are really thankful to our guests for coming on and being so open and honest we are um who are we chatting to today george today we are chatting to donna jackson you might know her as the curious mummy on instagram so please welcome to the podcast Donna Jackson. Yay. <laughs> it's so good to have you on. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I know it's a big subject. So um, yeah, thank you. It's silly for us to say, how how are you? Because I don't even think, you know, you would begin to be able to a- answer that question properly. But how are you this morning? How, how are you feeling today in this present moment? No, I feel good today. So I, w- I try to wake up every morning trying to feel positive. I, th- I think that's all you can do and then you hit the railroads of grief when they come and when they come I'm working with a counsellor and he always says that you should try and sit with grief it's almost like just to get used to it because it's going to be there forever but it's just finding a way what I tend to do is put a mask on to the world and say I'm fine and it's all jazz hands but actually when I'm hit with grief I'm I just want to cry and be a complete mess but I um yeah I'm learning to kind of sit with it and let it in and go okay I feel quite sad but then I change gear really quickly a bit like what children do I change gear really quickly by doing something positive so then my associations with grief become less negative and more Mm. um yeah you know more sort of comfortable Donna if I could ask the question for those people listening who don't know your story could you tell us you know what's been going on in your world over the last six months you know go into as much or little detail as possible just explain the backstory to this podcast today yeah so I was a family of four um there was me my husband and two children um we lived a very normal life and um last Christmas my husband developed COVID and then off the back of COVID he became quite unwell and I would it's safe to say that he never recovered from that so six months leading up to his death he just wasn't the same person he was quite unwell um and I was on social media but I withdrew quite a bit so um I've got a blog called The Curious Mummy and essentially it's kind of like a a bit like what most mummy bloggers set up just to kind of show the insights of real uh, mum life and that's what I started doing but then I I realized that I'm actually just very normal like the rest of us all and then started adding in some of my hobbies which was the food so but the the our lives became and are quite interesting to those that know us or those that follow us um and um my husband passed away um in June of this year and I completely pulled back from social media because I just didn't know where I was who I was what was going on and I didn't know how to explain that to my audience he passed away in June we just went through a mad period of mourning and trying to work out who we were and you know what our lives looked like and we said we would have the summer, which we did. We went off on holiday. We just tried to do normal things, and it was just me and the children. We did have friends and family come to stay, which was lovely, but we knew when we got to September that was when we were going to start our kind of real lives without Daddy because everyone had, like, left to go home that were staying with us. Um, you know, the children didn't have their routine because they weren't in school. I didn't have my routine because I wasn't at work. Mm. We got to September, and then 
I was like, right, okay, we're going to start our normal lives. Um, and then I felt like I'd been hit by train. It was just incredible. I think the numbness had worn off and I was, I was doing the job of mum and dad. Um, and then because it felt so emotional, it was emotional obviously at the start, but I was very numb yeah. and was just on autopilot. When I got to September, yeah, we just we started our normal life routine and I did the job of mum and dad and found that incredibly hard. Yeah. Um, and then I felt like this was a good time to talk about it on social media just because it was so raw and I could talk about how I felt in the beginning or how me and the children were in the beginning to kind of where we are now. So I feel like my blog is starting to reflect where the journey has been, but obviously not from the very, very beginning. Yeah. yeah. You mentioned that your um, husband had been, you know, poorly and not himself, but was it a shock when it happened? And I guess like, did the children have any kind of inkling that something was going on or, or just not at all? It was a complete shock. We had no idea that, you know, him being unwell would result in his death. The, when I think a quite a good point to make is that when um, I told the children that their daddy had passed away. The children, at the time, I said, daddy's passed away, he's fallen asleep and he's gone to heaven, which I think is quite a, it was my sort of yeah. initial response. I didn't know what to say to them. Mm. And um, I thought that they would understand that. And Finley, so I've got two children. I've got Finley, who's eight, and Olivia, who is six. So right. cognitively, their development is very different. So she's very young because she's under the age of seven. And then I think when they're seven and over, they understand what death means. They understand what big topics mean. They don't understand the intricate detail like an adult, but they know what those words mean. Mm -hmm. or at least this is what my counsellor has been telling me and a child psychologist that I've been working with. So when I told them, um, the children, Olivia was just, you know, she knew that daddy had gone and it was hard for her. But Finley's automatic reaction was... Daddy, I've got loads of questions for Daddy, and only he can answer them. And then, then he was like, "I'm the only boy in the class that that doesn't have a dad." He had a lot of um, Finley, I think, as he's very sensitive. And I think Gareth is uh, my husband. Gareth was a very hands-on dad. Um, you know, he was one of the coaches at my son's football team, and we would help out at the school all the time. And he was very present in their lives. And I and I think because he was so present and he was here with us all the time it's made it even more harder because the day-to-day -day life is so much more harder for them because daddy would do the breakfast I'm sat in my kitchen that's why I mentioned that but you know there's lots of things that dad would do that mum necessarily wouldn't do because he was just around and there and you know Olivia was very close to her dad so they would talk a lot and that's gone now and yes you can talk to me mm -hmm. but it's it's different and Finley you know I, I don't want to do the kind of gender things but you know, he enjoyed playing football and playing sports mm. with his dads. And that's what they did. And I mean, I'm not a great footballer. So <laughs> I can try and help him with that. But I'm not going to, I don't understand the offside rule. So there's things that I'm never going to really get and be able to talk to him. But when, sorry, going back to your your question, when we, um, they have, they have found it, we've all obviously found it very difficult, but talking to them when it, when it first initially happened, um, when he passed away, that is, we, um, I just said, you know, he'd fallen asleep. But then I spoke to a child psychologist and he was like, you have to be honest with the children. Yeah. And the reason for that is that when they get older, when they become teenagers, when they've got really big emotions, they'll start resenting you. And, they, you know, they're not going to believe that he'd fallen asleep and not woken up. You know, they're going to really want to understand the reason behind 
you yeah. know, his death. I, I just wasn't ready to sort of face it myself, but we did. Um, but the, the way you do it with children is you layer that information. So um, I started off by saying, you know, daddy was unwell for six months. He wasn't himself. You know, he was quite poorly physically and mentally. The children understood that because they remembered him not being able to play sport or not being mm. able to um, wow. cycle as much. And, you know, it's it, and, and it, I had to be really sort of visual with them because I think because they were so young, it was almost just reminding them that daddy was poorly. And then then. I then afterwards it was more kind of like the details of how he died and I would layer that information and and, and you know as a parent but also this is what the psychologist said that you need to um, do it when they're ready so when they're asking you begin to layer and that's okay. what I did you know it's been good because they haven't come back they do come back and ask questions about his death but we now don't talk about the death not for any reason it's just that it doesn't they don't want to talk about it and it's not a closed okay. subject for them but it's not something that they feel that they need to indulge in they they know the black and white of the situation and then they're happy mm. to you know move on to other subjects where they're missing their dad does yeah. the, the person that you've been working with um is is he preparing you for those moments where they might come back and ask more questions because i imagine it might oscillate day to day you know one minute they don't want to discuss it and then maybe their curious minds are, are, are you know are asking for more information in, de in detail and how you cope with those days um yeah. when they come I guess yeah so um so he was a friend of a friend so that's who I spoke to initially and, and now I'm working with another psychologist um just because I want to get it right and yeah you know mm. I don't want them blaming their dad or blaming me for things in their lives and you know we've read stuff in books and on Instagram about people who needed therapy a lot younger and I just want to sort of help them as much as I possibly can so they have the fullest life possible so I am working with a lady and she always reminds me that grief isn't mental health grief is a natural response to somebody yeah. that you, somebody that you love that's died she said that I can't prepare you I can only guide you and, and at this point in time um, the children are receiving counseling from their school which is um, which is normal um, and they do have bereavement counseling sort of layered on top um, and with children, um, so like adults, obviously we all need sort of variations of counselling. But with adults, grief um, apparently it hits you around the three month mark, like real pain mm. grief. And with children, that's six months. So um, you know, I, I, I'm never sure whether they, you know, whether they were ready or not. But my son, as I say, is quite sensitive, very emotional. You know, he wears his heart on his sleeve, and he, um, you know, he's having bereavement counselling already. Um, yeah. But I've seen a huge change in him off the back of that. You know, he's very positive, and like when um, Gareth passed away, he couldn't have any pictures up of him in the house. It would make him really distressed. It would make him feel that you know death was here and his dad was really gone. But now he can, you know, he's happy to see pictures of daddy and he wants to do a memory box which lots of people um, say is really good for children uh, because it helps them put some of their emotions away somewhere that they can go back to and, and reflect on but in a more sort of positive light so we're yeah. just working on that we'll be right back after this short break small details are big surfaces tight corners are odd shapes flat rounded textured or tall Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves 
without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1, only from Rust-Oleum. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome back to this episode of Made by Mamas. Now, where were we? I've just done some work with the guys at Grief Encounter. I don't know if you've spoken to oh. any of them over there. They're absolutely amazing. I just hosted their gala for them last week. And oh. one of the things I was having conversations with, you know, some of the other parents there and, and you know, some people that were actually involved in the charity. And they were saying to me, it's really important not to use words like lost or gone, that the children at that point might start asking questions like, well, when are they going to come back? And how can yeah. we find them? That actually, you know, saying the word, death and died are really important but I imagine for you somebody that's holding so much pain around losing your partner that even trying to mutter those words would have been virtually impossible for you yeah I think I mean in the beginning I had no idea and and I'll put my hands up I, d- I didn't know anyone that that was as close that passed away so mm. I would say that I went into grief with with no experience and, and really no expectations and yeah I did I used all the wrong words I used death and uh, not death I used gone and lost and um and Olivia um she would always talk about her dad in the present text uh, in present context which I'd always have to remind her that daddy had, you know he was no longer here um but you know, he was here in her heart. And I would make reference to that as a kind of bridge to kind of go, okay, he has gone, you can still talk about him like that. But, you know, remember that he has gone. Like, for example, she said, um, one day, I bought her a gingerbread man, and she started eating it. Then she went, oh, it's disgusting. And she left it on the side. And I said, Oh, Olivia, could you just put that in the bin? And she went, No, uh, daddy will eat it. And we sort of used Gareth as a bit of a dusty bin. We would always just like give him whatever. And and then I had to remind her that, you know, daddy had passed away and oh, gosh. That, that he wasn't coming back. And I, that, that was really hard because we were in a really normal situation. But mm-hmm. I think she needed reminding that actually mm-hmm. he wasn't coming back. Yeah. Um, and yeah, those are the sort of daily things that I find quite difficult because that's when grief ambushes you. Yeah. You mentioned that um, obviously it happened in June and you took the summer to do like normal things like going on a holiday and spending time with family. But it wasn't until you got back to almost reality, I guess, in September when the children went back to school that it really hit you. What? How did um, like your children's classmates and teachers and you know parents at the school react? Because I think so often when something like that happens, people almost just close down and don't talk or turn their head away and they don't want to have those conversations. Mm. How did you? How did you find that? And also, how did the kids find it? Yeah, so we um, we just we've been so lucky. Um, I think because Gareth was so a part of that community, we go the children go to this um, really small school. It's one form entry, so. You you know everybody from year six to reception the amount of parents that came forward to offer support I mean and actually now that phrase it takes a village like I get that now because without some of the parents some of the children couldn't go to some of their classes after school or you know they would you know it's play dates and things that 
that you take for granted that you think you can do because your other half can help you out with. But actually, mm-hmm. now I have to rely on the community, if you like. But the school and the parents, I, I genuinely thought that they, you know, I thought because it's grief and because it's someone that we all knew and he was young, people wouldn't understand and not necessarily close the door, but they just wouldn't be, you know, wouldn't want to talk about it. But they talk about Gareth all the time. Um and he's really celebrated, and and the t- the teachers were amazing. And like, if the children find difficult, if you know, if it's a difficult topic at school or something's you know really reminded them of their daddy, um, the teachers take the children off, and they've got lovely little gardens in each of the classrooms, and they get to go into like the reception garden because they've got lots of fun mm-hmm. things there, and they can take a friend. Um, and my children go to a Catholic school, so there is an obligation to go to mass. I think every couple of weeks or whatever it is. And the headmistress was like, I think with the hymns, the fact that it's really quiet in church, I think it's a, you know, it's not going to be the best environment for the children. So mm. during that summer term, they didn't go to mass, which, you know, hopefully the headmistress is not listening, but they were delighted um, and they could bring their friends. <laughs> and uh, it was great. It was great fun for them. So, you know, it's been really nice that, everyone's pulled together everyone's really supported us and with the children we have like an inner circle and it's people that you know were there at the time when Gareth passed away um and the children talk to those people um about Mm. you know if they've got feelings that they don't want to talk to me about they'll talk to you know my mum or my best friend or you know an uncle or whatever so they've got those people so we call them the inner circle and then there's the kind of middle circle um who are people that know, who knew Gareth and knew um, that he passed away when he did. Those people, again, will talk um, and support the children. And then there's the outer circle, people that just know us on the street. So, yeah, the children, um, I feel that they're they're really well supported. um, And I think without that, I think it would be a very different picture for us all. How lovely. I love the way you frame that as well, so that they can really understand it. Mm. You know, it's, it's not, it doesn't seem like a complex, you know, diagram to look at you know the inner circle the middle circle the outer so it seems quite yeah it seems like something you could get your head around as a child um yeah. and then they seem that, that that's really lucky I guess they've got so many amazing people to lean on like you said it takes a village doesn't it everyone just pulls together Let, let's talk about if we can let's talk about your grief um Donna and how you've navigated finding you know any form of like peace during these last sort of six months because Georgia and I have conversations all the time about crying in front of the kids you know it is crying in front of the children the right thing to do and we haven't lost a partner so you know what what have you decided and how much do you share with them and show them I think I sort of wear my heart on my sleeve like my son but I think as time has gone on I found it hard to cry in front of them because there's only me now I feel like I've got to be so strong for them and that's like mm. my it's, it's a really stupid thought to have but I know that it's really healthy for them to see me cry um and and, and also then it allows them to express emotions when they're kind of unsure um so I do try and cry in front of them but I'll be honest I'll talk to them about how I feel I feel like I'll say oh daddy I feel sad about daddy today or you know I'll, I'll bring it up but I I, I do find it difficult to to get really emotional in front of them, but I have I have been emotional. Like we went away for the weekend, and I came back, and I just didn't want to be back in the house, and um, the children didn't want to be back in the house. We tried to extend our stay, and we couldn't, and we were like, oh, really sad. We got home, and and I just broke down in tears, and there was no reason for it. I mean, the house has got nothing to do with you know Gareth passing away, but I think it just holds so many lovely memories, mm. and because we can't make those memories anymore, we can, but 
not with him, it feels really hard and heavy. And coming back to, you know, our lovely home feels just, I don't know, I feel, I, I sometimes mm. feel like we shouldn't really be here and we should be somewhere else making new memories. Mm. Um, yeah, so I have cried in front of them at, um, at that point. Um, but, but yeah, I, 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 we, I talk about everything to them. I'm quite honest and open with them. Um, and I think that that opens the door for them to be open and honest with me. For you personally, you know, you just mentioned being in the house is really hard. I guess when you're sort of sitting by yourself thinking and, you know, trying to navigate the situation that you're in, do you find yourself almost wanting to just, like you said, just go away and start a new life? And, you know, what have people around you maybe said, like the counsellor or anything about about doing that? Is that the right thing to do? Is that the wrong thing to do? So everybody has said, wait at least a year. Don't do anything. After Gareth passed away, my initial reaction was to declutter the house, repaint the walls, just change it. And then lots of people going, hold back, hold back, hold back. So I have held back. I mean, the decluttering has been quite cathartic. So that's been lovely. Mm. But I haven't changed anything in the house simply because you know, I might regret that. And that's the big, big thing is like the regret, you know, jumping into something when actually everything's a bit cloudy at the moment, um, isn't the right thing to do. Although, you know, I'm dying to get things done in the house, but I need to just kind of hold off, because I think too much change could overwhelm Mm. me. Um, And I can say that by sort of stepping back out of it. But you know, where I have to, I, after Gareth passed away, I I kind of steamed forward and tried to think about the future a lot. And I think what that did was just make me defer grief and it got to that four month mark or three and a half month mark. And then I was like really ambushed with it. And I, and I felt like I couldn't cope. Like I could cope. I could be robotic and get on with the day to day, but emotionally I was kind of breaking down. Um, So I know that, you know, painting a wall or whatever, even though it would be fun, I'm just not going to do that. I'm going to just sort Mm. of see because I'm apparently I'm very early in the kind of grief cycle. I'm in the, I've had the numbness bit. I'm in the kind of realisation now. Um, And it could be after Christmas, there might be something new that comes up. But Mm. yeah, holding back. I mean, I'd love to, I'd love to move house, but I just think I've got to just be, well, actually I can't now because the mortgage rates are ridiculous. (laughs) Who can? Exactly. Who can move house at the moment? Um, uh, Can we talk about the kids and things that have come up for them since losing their dad? Um, Biggest kind of struggles for them things that you've thought they might find harder but actually it's been okay um you know how have they changed as people I guess for anybody listening that needs a bit of help in that arena okay so the big thing um for my son Finley is that there is no male figure in the house and that's been Mm. a really big thing and he feels that quite a lot um so I try to surround him with, um, you know, kind of men from his inner circle. So it's, you know, kind of some of the dads that um, he knows that are very similar to Gareth and who used to kind of hang out with Gareth and they do love to do lots of lovely things with him. Um, so that has been brilliant for Finley because it's almost given him a new found level of confidence because he's learning different things and yeah and he can talk to other people now rather than just me about you know his feelings and that's really nice uh, you know other men and then Olivia she's just like princess poppy from the trolls she's just so positive and I, I've she's grown up quite a bit I would say in the last few months um she wants to she's less young any longer and she's a bit more grown up um and actually another big thing is I've noticed that my eldest has tried to move into the adult 
um, space. So he's tried to be dad. Yeah. And I have to always remind him that, you know, mummy is here and I'm the grown up and you can still be a kid. And mm. um, and they both try and do it. And I remind them constantly now, but they never did that before. So mm. it is reassuring them that they can still be kids. They don't have to clean up their mess. You know, they they, they can't write on the walls, but they can write on the walls. You know, they can do things yeah. that children would do. What are your worries for them? What what are the things that you're worried about in the road that you've got ahead of you? When they're teenagers, I think for me, that is where I'm really frightened about what their lives might look like. Um, I worry that, you know, they might feel that because dad's not around, because their family nucleus is very different now from their friends, that they might do something quite destructive. But then in the in the other breath, I have to kind of give them a bit of confidence and go, actually, they're really good kids. And mm. we're always talking. And like my dad always said, it, you know, bef- even before I had kids, like actually, the only thing children need is love. So you just mm. have to make them aware that you love them. And we talk about lots of subjects. But you know, we're we're together as a really as a as a really strong little force, but you know, the three of us. So yeah, my worry is their teenage years, but I hope that it would be quite a normal teenage uh, years for them because they are with good people and good friends and we've got a lovely mm. circle of of people around us. So let's hope. Mm. Fingers crossed. But my worries are probably the same as yours when your children, you know, get yeah. to that. Yeah. Yeah. So we just we just we're hoping and praying that they don't turn into either Georgia and I during our teenage years. <laughs> if we can just steer them away from all that. That's the main yeah. goal. As a sort of parting message to anybody listening that you know is very sadly going through something similar to you, what would you say? I would say if you can take some time out for you. Um it's not selfish, it's survival. So even if it's ten minutes to go and have a cry or take that bath that you kind of promised yourself, you know, just or light a candle, whatever it is, or have a piece of chocolate, like don't deprive yourself. It's a time where you actually just need to be kind to yourself. So I would say, yeah, take some time out for you. Lovely. Okay, Donna, thank, thank you. you, Donna. Thank you so thank much you. for coming thank on. It, it's I, We can't even begin to imagine what you've been going through the last six months. So I, if we could our arms around you now and give you the biggest hug we would but we're sending it virtually to you and thank you so much for being on the podcast speaking so honestly I know it's it's not easy to do but I'm sure you've helped a lot of people today and we are sending you lots of love thank you thanks for having me thank you oh wow what an amazing amazing woman I know and it's it's really tricky isn't it when you're talking to somebody who is you know living through something right now Mm. and I guess she she seems like she's holding it together really well mm. um, and uh, I mean you just can't begin to imagine all of the mixed emotions that you're feeling yeah. but also I really hope that she is really taking care of herself as well you know as mothers mm. and parents we so often like don't look after ourselves so in a situation like that I can imagine it's actually even harder I just I don't even think how do you even start you know your, your, know your husband your husband has died you've then got to raise your kids by yourself so not only are you a, are you solo parenting you're then dealing with these mountains of grief yeah, exactly. that Donna is going through on a daily you know day-to-day basis but having to be really strong for the children still get up in the morning mm. I mean it's a reality that you just you can't even start to imagine and like you said I really hope that she sounds like she's got a really lovely network of of people and friends and family around her um 
but yeah it, it was a, it was definitely like I said at the beginning it's a sensitive subject of course it is but you know grief has to be spoken about you can't hide away from it you no. can't shy away from it I mean I, I, I remember you know losing my, losing my dad but when he died there was this feeling of like I couldn't share my grief with anybody, you know, because mm. because when someone dies, you know, historically, I think we're sort of taught, oh, you know, well, let's not mention it and let's not bring it up. Like you said, George, in the chat, mm. going to the school gates, you know, do, do, do people want to hear about you, you, your dead husband or your dead father? Like, do people want to hear about it? But yeah, actually, it's you weird. need to talk about it. You have to yeah. talk about it. And I, the reason I brought that up is because a friend of mine lost her husband um, not, not very long ago. And I saw her oh. um, recently at an event and she she said, oh, thank you so much for inviting me. And I was like, what do you mean? Of course I'd invite you. And she said, no, 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 no. She said, people don't want to talk to me anymore. They, they don't they don't want to talk to me they they don't so you know if I'm you know at a party or if I'm at you know a, a, a coffee morning or whatever I'm at she said whereas before everyone wanted to talk to me and you know want, you know wanted to chat and like all of that in you know, a little bit of small talk she said now people really she notices that people just don't look and just shy away and I think uh, her saying that to me it's really made me more aware now that if I I'm, I, I might, maybe I've been guilty of it I don't know but I know now that I definitely won't do that and she said yeah. it's so much better to say something to that person and yep. get it wrong yep. rather than just ignore them and make them feel like they're not even there God George that's such a good point and mm. and, and my mum said the same thing that she just she was like you know no one was inviting her for dinners yeah. no one wanted to go and grab a coffee with her she said mm. she just felt not only did she feel the, the loneliest and the most alone she's ever felt in her life but then people just didn't know what to say so I think maybe if you can take anything from this podcast you know we're not going through what Donna's going through but do not shy away from those conversations grief is one of those things it it doesn't just happen to you it is a part of you it's it's everything it's everything and it's it's it could come up at any moment so yeah just just I guess hang on to the knowledge that people do want to discuss things and actually they'll probably tell you if they don't yeah exactly and absolutely and I think that's absolutely fine as well you know if someone approaches you and wants to talk about it you can just be like you know what I'm really not ready to talk about it but I really appreciate you you reaching out thank you gosh thank you to Donna um and George as always I love having these conversations with you because it's just they're just they're so they just mean so much I feel like I always leave these podcasts having learnt so many things me too and I always leave with a fresh perspective on the day I do I do I do um and thank you so much for listening to today's episode as always we would love you to rate review subscribe and give the podcast a little follow if you can yeah and if there are any topics you'd like us to cover um guests you'd like to hear from then please do drop us a message on Instagram we are at made by mummers and we'll be back on Friday Made by Mamas is an insanity podcast production and today's episode was produced by the lovely Charlotte Mason. Insanity Group. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping 
and 365-day returns.